0: This city is all about sharing memories of wonderful London and that's why I'm even more excited to be working with one of my most favourite brands for this series. When I tell you that Instax are the instant photo people and their cameras and smartphone printers are super easy to use I mean it they are perfect because we all know that the best memories need to be captured in the moment and I'm definitely talking from experience here because I've had an Instax camera for years and everyone who comes to visit my home there's a rule you must take an Instax photo and stick it in my guest book it is one of my all-time favorite things life is meant to be shared and I love 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 that I've captured those moments with my Friends and family forever. So, whether you want to keep and treasure your pics like I do, give them away to loved ones to reminisce on a special time, or one better gift an Instax camera or printer, you can find out more at instax.co.uk. Hello, I'm Clara Anfo and welcome back to This City, the podcast where we talk to famed inhabitants of wonderful London. Each episode will delve into the past favorite places, the current favorite places, the dance spots, the food spots, the night bus stories, stories of school where we fell in love from some of our favorite famous faces, whether they were born here or adopted our capital. This episode features somebody who is a true South London don. You may know her from her OOTD. She is excellent. Ah, a bountiful, beautiful black woman who I adore. Candice Brathwaite. She is a motherhood crusader, a real talk motherhood crusader. She's somebody that I'll tell you what, if I ever get knocked up any one of these days, I'm looking to her. She's just a realist. And the looks, can we talk about it? There is never a day you will see this woman not looking like a 10 out of 10 on Instagram. And as well as excellent looks and mothering advice, Candice has had not one, but three best best-selling books published, including I'm Not Your Baby Mother, Sister, Sister, and her recent YA debut Cut both Ways is available right now, so please welcome one of the queens of South London, the incredible Candice Brathwaite. Oh dear listener, it feels good to be back and I've got one of South London's finest.
1: <laughs> oh, no- that, uh, that castle must have given it away now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of this week's episode she is a style maven she is a begrudgingly i suspect a tiktok star she is a best sunday times a best-selling author her new book which i have in my hand cuts both ways is available now it's fantastic um she is just you're just everything candice
1: <laughs> babe as i you. lot you of know, things we've been, we've been waiting ages to do this but um yeah yeah yeah, I wear a lot of hats, and you know what? It people of our age coming from where we come from, that slasher lifestyle just feels so normal now. Do you know what I mean? A little bit of what you love, and a little bit of what gets the bills paid. Do you know what? <laughs>
0: that is the most perfect summation of, I think, our generation of like creatives.
1: Yeah, yeah, you get,
0: yeah that's, that's it. Actually, let, do you know what? Let me rewind. Let me put some respect on your surname. Candice Brathwaite is in the building because we're not saying Braithwaite. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> as somebody that has observed the mispronunciation of your surname across Bro. certain media platforms, it jars me. How is it for you?
1: Do you know what? It's so jarring that. I got married l- last year. We officially got married last year and I've not even attempted a name change. I'm like, you lot can't even manage Brathwaite. A you bothering? No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Just We're just sticking here. It's okay. It's
0: okay. But it's, it's absolutely Brathwaite, not Braithwaite. Yes, um, Braithwaite. Candice... It is a delight to have you on this city. Um, I know you've got many London stories to tell. Um, now with every guest, I like to let the listeners know how we first met. And I was thinking about how we first connected. And it was really interesting because I'm just like, I'm not sure how many times we've met in real life. I feel like our burgeoning friendship has mostly developed on the internet and in the DMs.
1: Absolutely. I feel like we've only, not even lying, I think we've only been in the same room once, twice at a push which is yes. so mad, but we have so many overlapping friendships. And, yes. they, and and the friendships that overlap, they're not just internet, they're real life. So it, it just feels like we're always present in each other's lives. It's very strange. 100%. 100%. <laughs> like...
0: Hey, look, maybe it's the London thing. Maybe it's the London there we go. thing. Um, but I think one of the first, well, one of the times I do remember, I remember being aware of you because of there's a really well-known running crew called Rundem Crew. I knew you, you were part of Rundem mm. for a little bit. And I remember like... Like when I started my my running journey, I remember like seeing everyone who's in Run and thinking, oh my God, it just looks so fun. It yeah. just looked like yeah. it was just like the place to be. Like what around that time in your life, what like what what were you doing? Woo.
1: So um I was working as a receptionist at a very notorious uh, ad agency in Brixton. And I think one of the people I worked with Was going to run them And he was like, you should come along There's this great guy called Charlie He likes to interact with young people I was a young person back then I said, listen now, I'm going to come Yeah, You're but still I'm a not... young person That part But I said, "Like I'm, I'm going to come But I'm not in this running thing. It's really not for me, so the running team can't run. I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna come and Kiki. Key key. Long story short, I've got like even an ultra marathon under my belt. That's the power of run them. Like you go in there. And Charlie has a way of just making you see your true potential. And I think I was one of the first back then, they called them the Rundem Youngers. I was the first younger to ever come through the Rundem doors. And that then opened up a pathway for us to invite more young people and mentor them. And I would say that for someone that was born and raised in South London now spending all my time in East was very eye-opening because and not even in like a post-Code War sense, but when you're from South, what am I doing in the East? I don't have no business in East, I don't have <laughs> no business. Like, do you know what I mean? It, it just never occurs to you. And when you're living in London, actually East feels so far away. I'm crossing a bridge? For what? Like, what's going on here? And to be able to start to explore London from a different perspective around 19, 20, 21 years old was really really eye-opening. And I think even necessary for the work I do now to be fair.
0: Yeah, because you know, you like the platform that you have built and are and continue to build is so impressive. And one of the reasons I love following you, I mean I'm gonna definitely make you say guys, it's time for another, you know, O T D inject it. We love. Um, but I love the um well look, it's a really interesting one with you, Candice, because you know what, you are but one person. And as we know, when you do public facing work, people can project onto you Um, a lot in a positive way and sometimes in a negative way. But in the positive way, you've created this amazing space for young women, particularly young black women and of course like, you know, young mothers, you know, just to really just enjoy themselves, but with no apology. But I know it's taken you a lot of work to get there
1: yeah, and I know oh. that
0: a lot of that has been based in your experiences growing up as a young girl in South London. Like, and I know we're not trying—we're not trying to dig up for trauma porn here. We've discussed about this <laughs> stuff before, but it would be remiss of me not to mention, um, you know, some of the experiences that have shaped you in your childhood, growing up in the city, that have
1: made you the woman you know that you are now. Oh my gosh, honestly, coming up in South London back then, hashtag thug Life. Like, I see all these kids thinking they want to be like cool or like acting bad or whatever the terminology is and when I look back on some of those scenarios so from the very beginning I was raised by my granddad that's rare my granddad got mugged before I was born and he was left blind in one eye so he was deemed unfit for work so my mum and my nan went out to work and my granddad was my full-time carer um that was really interesting and I was the only child up until eight years old And my house, although I felt love from people, the situations in the house were traumatic. There's just no other way around it. And I found myself being a very insular kid who just wanted to read all the time. My dad lived in East London and he was more than a weekend dad, but I only ever saw him at the weekends. And then as I grew up and that awkward trajectory of leaving primary school where you're in this safe bubble and going into predominantly female secondary school in South London. Massive wake-up call, massive reality check when you're starting to understand beauty aesthetics or how people feel about you in your own skin. Hardcore. Um, But I just wouldn't trade it because there was something about being raised in South London back then that just was underlined by community. I would never even act bad on road because... Someone's auntie,
0: someone's uncle Listen, I remember one time
1: My primary school, my first primary school You didn't have to wear uniform My granddad still put me in a uniform Which was very embarrassing One day I thought I was being (laughs) slick Yeah, I did roll up my own clothes And stuff it to the bottom of my book bag And as soon as I got into school I hurried to the toilet, put on my own clothes Rocked it out all day Everyone's like, yeah you look so good Before end of school, now change back into the uniform He picks me up I'm like, calm. Wow. I don't promote physical violence, but I took the beating of my life that night, yeah? Woo! Did my teacher not call grandads, and was like, hi, Mr. Brathwaite. There's a little something up here. Why is Candice in her own clothes? I know you wouldn't... So it was that level of community. You couldn't even act out because someone's auntie or teacher was going to hit that direct line and be like your child's (laughs) acting out of character. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, wow. Of course, in moments like that, it's annoying, but it also kept you safe. It also meant that if I've got home for whatever reason and no one's there, I'm chilling in Auntie June's salon. I'm in someone's house eating food. There was never that sense of fear or that someone was going to do something to me, you know? Mm. And I feel like life has changed a lot since then. No matter what postcode you occupy, but I know coming up for me in South London in them early nineties, late eighties, I just don't think there was a better period. Mm. To be fair, uh,
0: two things I want to pick up on. You mentioned that you were very you were a very insular child, and like you were always having your head like buried in a book. Was there a place in the area that you would sort of run to to escape? Were you were you always at the local library? Where would you go to read? What was little Candice doing? Or was it mainly like in your room?
1: So it was mainly in my room. When I got a bit older, it was Brixton Library. And then we moved. So I lived as a as a young person. We lived in Brixton. I lived in Fortin Heath. I lived in Norbury. I lived in, like we've been all about. And so I would always just locate the nearest library. And I think the ones where I've got the fondest memories is um, West Norwood Library. I don't even know if it's even still there, but I spent a big chunk of my summer. And this was the summer of like, um, oh no, what's the do it. It was so solid summer, basically. right And it was it was Moschino jeans. It was everyone spending their money in Probito or on Avrex. And number one, my family didn't have it like that. Number two, I didn't feel that confident in myself. And so I spent this very hot summer just locked away in this library, entertaining myself with books. And to be fair, now looking at where a lot of those people who I grew up with, where their lives unfortunately are, or to be fair, are not... I'm like, the, the library was a good safe haven because mm. so much, as hot as, and as beautiful as the summer was, that was around the time, around the time of So Solid, around like me being 14, 15, there was just this new brand of violence coming, just creeping up. And I just saw people I'd known since we were in nappies, developing a new attitude or hanging around with the wrong crowds. And I feel like the library just saved me, so to speak.
0: Gosh, that, that gives me chills like hearing you describe it that way. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because I don't think
0: people realise that, you know, the most ordinary places, the place that we think are ordinary, whether it's like, you know, the local library, the swimming pool, the laundrette, the supermarket, they are safe havens for people or places that people go to escape, even for just loneliness reasons. Like, you know, like sometimes when you're doing your shopping, you'd always see that one elderly person who's just yeah. in the shop a little bit longer. And then you find out that, because that's yeah. their social time because they live alone just to see people. Exactly. Yeah.
1: This is the thing. And so as heartbreaking as it is, more than heartbreaking because like you said, it was all it just it was where we live. So it all felt so normal. And I do remember the distinct change I had still have a really good family friend. And it was New Year's Eve and her son just got shot 11 times. It was a setup, up and it happened at the bottom of the hill that we lived at. And I remember it so distinctly because we were all getting ready to go to her house. And then, you know, Oh, my son's been murdered. So it was literally just like blink. Mm. And then it was this, this trajectory of, okay, you can't even go to East London now. You can't even leave your postcode now. This is, this is the new world and to have occupied both, um, it's really sad because in one instance, young people today don't know what that freedom feels like. So if you don't know it, you don't miss it. Mm, and in mm. another instance, I know what it feels like. So to see them feel like they have to stay in their house when the weather's great and the music's good. I'm like, this is not how life is supposed to be. It's really not, it's 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 heartbreaking. And it's,
0: I mean, look, it's a testament to, to your, your strength of character. You were able to kind of remove yourself from that because I think, mm. you know, when people talk about, you know, gun crime and knife crime, obviously a lot of focus is on men, but a lot of women unfortunately get, you know, pulled into it, carrying stuff for their partners.
1: Yeah. I, I think about it now, I'm really grateful for this. Of course I feel differently now, but I'm so happy that I was not traditionally pretty. I think so much of that saved me as well. I see so many of the girls I went to school with who for whatever reason fell into the to that Isle of European beauty standards. It was easier for them to get swept away in that because boys mm-hmm. viewed them as pretty. Do you know what I mean? So the conversation was always veered towards them and as painful as it was when you're 13, 14, a boy being like, no, nah, I don't really like you. I'm not really into girls that look like you. Da, 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 da. Now looking back, I'm like, praise the Lord. Right, We praise him. <laughs> we yes. praise him because Listen. because there was some safety in that. There was some safety in every boy not thinking I was the hot thing because for a lot of the girls I went to school with who were viewed in that manner, I've lost count of the amount of them, like you said, who have ended up in hot water because it then just... You know, once the prettiness gets boring, it becomes about what can you do for me? You know? What mm-hmm. can you do for me? Can you manage this? Can you... Mm, I'm okay, lords. I'm okay.
0: <laughs> Listen, you are you are more than okay, and actually that that brings us <laughs> greatly um, to your book, cuts both ways. <sighs> remember, I messaged you last night with a picture of it in my head. You were just like, I can't. Okay. But it's real. Look, you you are a three time now published author, Sunday Times best selling author. That is incredible. And this story, you know, really covers a lot of the things that we we just mm. just just spoke about. I mean, how could you not? I guess have have that influence in this in this fiction
1: I know so what happened is with my first book I'm not your baby mother there's a chapter in there called young gifted and stabbed which unpicks why when I fell pregnant with my son I left London I left the city I'm very obsessed with data and because I've got a brother who's 2021 now, I'm very aware of the situation within London itself. And when I found out I was having a boy, I think we'd left within six weeks. I was like, I am not even trying to give birth to him in a space where for whatever reason his life could be cut short. I think as any parent, you're always trying to be one step ahead. Is anywhere perfect? No. But I was like, can I lessen his chances by coming out of the city? And I don't think people understand how hard it was to leave the city that birthed me and that I loved and that I knew. And not just from a stance of being selfish, but also community. We've left our local babysitters, we've left family behind, you know, but that's the decision we decided to make, and so Young, Gifted and Stabbed, I can't, I've lost count of the amount of people that were like, we wish that chapter had more flesh, because we, I really got into the meat of it there about the political stances around knife crime, why we think especially young black boys are losing their way, even the scoreboarding around gang culture. Like I really went there and it was really shocking specifically because I'm Not Your Baby Mother came out May, 2020. And we all know what that time Maybe. was. Child. That was the year when everyone suddenly realized time. that
0: racism was,
1: <laughs> Oh my God, there's anti-blackness. <laughs> I can't believe Ooh. it. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. It was that time. So my DMs were flooded with 40 plus year old white women. I'm not gonna lie. Who were just like, wow, I live on a road where a young black boy was stabbed to death and I'm not gonna lie. There are parts of me that were just like, well, it's the life he chose. And reading a chapter like Young, Gifted and Stabbed lets me understand how it was always set up for him to fail. You know the chat. Mm -hmm. And I was like, right, when I get the chance, I'm gonna explore this more. And then lo and behold, the day I handed in the manuscript of my second book, Casual Flex. <laughs> Bode and I were drinking wine <laughs> to celebrate and Bode was like, bro, what's next? What's next? And I was like, if you see how Sister Sister matched me up, just leave me. I'm not in the mood. A couple of actually, glasses Actually, next, I remember I later... again, actually, I
0: was on the holiday in Jamaica <laughs> with my girls and my friend Hannah had a copy of Sister Sister. Do you remember I sent you? I, yes! I, 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 I asked <laughs> to send you pictures to make you cry. <laughs> I remember yeah, I yeah. sent you um, a picture of Hannah. Or, I think it was Hannah or I reading it by the scene. You were like,
1: oh!
0: So like, <laughs> like it's, just, it's I love it for you. Sorry to derail you. It's so so
1: back to back. So uh, anyway, a couple of hours later, The Flesh of Cuts Both Ways was born, but no one had approached me to write it. And you know how manifestation works. Three weeks later, I get a call from an agent who was like, have you ever been interested in writing YA? I said, well, blow me down, honey. I got a little sight for you. And then, (laughs) (laughs) and now we're here. Um, But writing using these real-life traumatic stories to essentially write a young adult love story, because at the heart, it's a love story, has mm. taken me to places that you don't want to go, not just as a as a parent, but as a human. The, the interviews I've had to sit through, the questions I've had to ask to mums who have been so gracious in opening up their pain to me, knowing that even in doing so in an artistic way is not going to bring their son back, I... I am I am forever indebted to their challenges because I was watching an interview recently with Lauren London. I think she was speaking to Angie Martinez. And she said something that really struck me. She said, the funeral looks different from the front row. And it's so true. I've been to so many funerals where I'm on the third row, fourth row, and you see mumsy and you know you're sad and that sadness may linger for two days, but then your life goes back to normal. When you are on the front row, it's, it, it, your life has changed forever. And mm. what I wanted to do with Cuts Both Ways is to bring us as readers into these worlds where all these people are on the front row for different reasons. And what does that mean for their joy and their love moving forward? Because what's happening now, we're losing young people at such a quick rate, especially in London, that you don't even get a picture no more with these articles. It's just fifteen-year-old stabbed to death, and you know what? You you cut refresh that browser in an hour, it will be a new if that. header. If that, do you know what I mean? And I was like, right, so what about the 30 plus lives that are now trashed? Because it's not just this person's parents or their siblings, it's their teachers, it's boss man in the news agent, it's the mentor, it's the bus driver. What happens to these lives that have now been scattered? And I wanted to use cuts both ways to talk about the grief beyond the headline, essentially. Mm. Mm. It's, yeah, gosh, there's
0: so much, there's so so many places to go from this because even like you're talking about, you know, when you hear these reports and there isn't a photo anymore, have you found that it you have become desensitized at points or is it always raw with every new thing that you read? And especially even in writing the book.
1: I'm definitely desensitized because even for I'm Not Your Baby Mother, I think I sat through 17 hours of footage because you couldn't, you, for whatever reason, these kids upload these murders to Snapchat. And if you know the right hashtags to search, you, you can watch this. And I, to get into the right headspace cr- creatively and from a fiction sense, I had to go there. Mm. And to be able to even speak to you now or even finish the work, I had to lock myself off because it can swallow you whole. I... You know, we, we have these, we see these conversations on Newsnight, wherever, where people are like, oh, what's the answer? What's the this? And when you see videos where it's this personal, where the slaughtering is this up close, I'm just like, these children think they've got nothing to live for. That's the only answer to this. That I don't, I, I don't want to hear about community centers, about parents, about at the heart of it, these children don't value their life because they're like, what, you, what's life really giving? Mm. what's life really give this street corner not seeing mum or dad because the cost of living is insane and they have to work every hour god said what is life and are you showing me a version of life that is attainable that is going to make me feel good and when you watch them videos like that and you see the lifelessness not just on the end of whoever's been attacked but the lifelessness of the attacker just the blankness nah Uh, You know, it's making me emotional just freak out. It's like, I had to put a filter on to be able to then actually go and speak to someone's mum or to a mum who's lost three sons. Jesus. Three to knife crime. And to understand that for whatever reason in the pockets of London that this is happening, it's now a generational curse. It's, wow, you know, you done... Someone done something in 94... And now this act in 2022 is for that,
0: mm.
1: it's just, yeah.
0: Mm. And yeah, that completely, you know, completely validates exactly why you decided to remove remove your family, you know? Don't, and don't go wrong, London is, I mean, London is everything. It's, it's a beautiful place to be, it's a brutal place to be, mm. but yeah, knowing what you know, as you say, being data obsessed, yeah. And having to go on that journey, like, you know, with your book and the research, I can completely understand
1: yeah. you know, and why I'm you also, moved your family. I always wanna say when I'm when I ever speak about it, I also have to recognise my privilege. Leaving London is a privilege in some instances. Mm. There are some people who are in accommodation that they can afford in London, or they have a support system around them that they can't do without. And it's an absolute privilege to just be like, well, I've got enough cash to rent privately for a bit, or I've got enough cash to buy a house outside of the city. I never ever want to make people feel like I'm looking down on them for that choice. You know, Mm. I always... Count my blessings about how we were able to navigate that shift because it's life changing, but also when we drive through London now with RJ, he thinks red buses are fire engines, and I find that hilarious. God bless him. <laughs> He's like I was actually, I wanted to ask you actually, how how does it
0: feel <laughs> coming back now? So your little kids look at the I don't know, like the 57, like, oh my god.
1: <laughs> fire Nino, Nino. Um it's really funny because I've got a stepdaughter who lives in Brixton who literally lives in Brixton she's 14 Esme was of course born in London and then I've just got this weird little country bumpkin black boy who's like oh my god let's go run with the cows and I just think (laughs) it's (laughs) hilarious to watch all of them chat because they just see life so differently Mm. and I would say this and I always say this, when my money is tight and right and when my kids are older, I'm definitely buying a flat off the King's Road. Hands down, like I'm, I'm, uh, child, I'm not dying out here in this countryside. It's just not the vibe. I'm gonna, I'll sacrifice <laughs> for the little piece, but I'm coming to the King's road and I'm gonna have tea every day in Harrods. And they're gonna be like, Miss Brathwaite, it's so nice to see you. And I'm gonna be hobbling in. I London is always gonna be home to me. There's just the mm. energy there that you cannot replicate. New York comes close, but even then it's, it's just not the same. Yeah. But I think for now, I just use London to, to just show my kids how it was for me. And in some ways, this is weird, but true. In some ways, I connect more with my stepdaughter than my own kids. Because she oh, lives sana. where I lived. And so sometimes I'm having a conversation and I'm explaining something. And Esme's like, really? And RJ's like, what are you saying? And my stepdaughter's like, yeah, man. Duh, 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 duh. And I'm like, yeah, because you're still where I was. Mm. And there's something about that that is beautiful, but also heartbreaking. Who doesn't
0: love the gift of an amazing memory? I love making this podcast because everyone enjoys a good reminisce and I'm being honest when I say I am thrilled to be working with Instax on this series. An Instax camera or smartphone printer is such a great gift for anybody. So easy to use with three different film sizes, mini, square or wide, and each has its own look and feel. From the colorful Mini 11 to the retro classic design of Mini 40, They are the perfect accessory for every social event in your calendar this holiday season. So don't just take, give. Head to instax.co.uk to find out more. I wanted to talk when you mentioned um, about, you know, where you'd go or like, after school, obviously we spoke about like, you know, the library and you reading books and you mentioned like hair salon. And I want to talk about South London hair salon spaces. I know know obviously there's a a hair salon moment in the book as well, but I really wanted to get your take and your experiences and your stories about what it is to go to a hair salon in South London. Now, obviously we know you're rocking this incredible, like shortcut, which you've had for a minute, which we love, it's like your signature look.
1: But I know you've been on a journey girl, the stresses. The sh- I remember, I, I will name no names, one hair sh- one salon opened in Camberwell and it was very competitive prices when it opened. But if you were not at that door at 8.59, it's curtains for you because they even had to develop a ticketing system where you come in, you take a ticket, you sit down and sometimes you just want to retouch on your perm. It's a four hour wait. But with that said, A bit like the scene in Cuts Both Ways, so many of my formative moments and conversations happen in the hair salon. The same way I know it to be the same for men now because I've spent enough time in barbershops because of my trim, there's an energy about a hair shop. And what I also love is how the energy changes, say if it's a Jamaican hair shop or a West African hair shop. like There's there's different energies. There's different (laughs) energies. When I was rocking the finger waves, Auntie Sharon was like, "The man's a dotty this and a dotty that." And da-da-da-da-da. and when I had to go and get my braids, my African aunties were like, "Are you keeping up with your schoolwork?" Like, like such different energies. Yeah, and I just think. Even in a hair salon space, again, we come back to community, the community of London, the community of South London. If for some reason my mum was running late or, you know, I was locked out of somewhere, I know I could go and sit in someone's salon. They're Mm. not going to run me out. Someone is going to pass around a two pound for a beef patty. You knew that that was still your As annoying as it could be because you're sitting down for eight hours and you've got seven aunties tugging at your head 20 different ways. Mm -hmm. You also knew that was safe space and that was home and that these women just literally, Listening to their conversations was the richest pot of creativity.
0: I was just going to ask you, what is it? What is the spiciest thing that you that you have ever heard in uh, in a London salon? Because there is something to be said for that. Like I remember, my mum used to take me to his hairdresser in Tooting, and it's always the same way. Like you'd wait maybe three hours to be seen. <laughs> And you'd be reading like black hair magazines that were probably printed at, at least five to six years old. And you'd, and you'd see the same one there and you'd still reread it anyway. And then like as a little kid, you just overhear. Oh, yeah. And then you see what happened with the father? Listen. He did this
1: what? and he did that.
0: He did <laughs> do you have any do, memories of like that?
1: Do you know what? the One of the uh, best memories was overhearing or getting the gist that there was a hairdresser connected to an asian-run nail shop as most of the nail shops were at that time and the owner of this nail shop just not treating them well and it was me learning that all of the black stylists were were pitching to overturn him and like get money together and open their own salon it took five years but they did it but just to know that energy like when he would leave all the Jamaican aunties would start cussing under their breath and talking about yeah we're gonna get the money and do this and do that so even though there were the salacious stories like someone's man was always cheating I found those stories they got boring I was like let's talk about the next thing to see these women know that they were being ill-treated and come together as a community to galvanize and put the power back in their favour. That for me is one of the best stories, hands down. And now, I think I last went there maybe say last year. So many of the hair shops in Brixton, the hair salons, are now run by black women. And what I've people did, yeah. And what people didn't know back in the day is that black women were yeah in the window doing the hair, but they were paying rent to someone that wasn't black. Facts, facts. Mm. And now, so many more hair salons are run and owned by us.
0: Yeah, shout out to Virginie, who owns uh, Zaza's. It's in Pop Brixton. Oh. <laughs> no, and, and it's amazing, because I, mean, I, I, I did an interview with her a little while ago for a magazine, and she was like saying, you know, it's hard being here, but we're here. I said, no, you should be here. You should have to apologize for being mm. in this space. Like, you are exactly who should be owning a hair yes. salon in somewhere like Brixton. Now, look, you mentioned that in, in future years, you want to get yourself a little flat off of the King's road. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about, you know, the fancy life. The finer things in <laughs> life. Because one thing about you, Candy, is that you do not apologise. You do not apologise for luxury in all things. You don't apologise for having a good time. You don't apologise for letting your kids have like nice things. But you don't mm. apologise for just enjoying yourself. Because I know that's come from a place where you were told for a long time that like it's not for you.
1: Yeah, I, th- like it, it felt like luxury and not just in the materialistic sense, but the luxury of even dreaming big was ring-fenced. Yeah, And I say this, I someone asked me the other day and they were like, you know, what was one of your earliest thoughts as a kid? And I know this sounds deep, but it was always knowing that I was in the wrong space. I was surrounded by people who kept trying to clip me mentally. It was always like, well, you know, that's not for you. You know, that's not for us. And then as I got a bit older, that language became, oh, you think you're too nice you think you're you think you're above you, you 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 think you're too smart there was just always this air of contain that man Con, contain these visions these dreams this conversation so to now be in a space where one of my biggest luxuries is being able to think of something and create it and bring it to fruition i don't think people who have never been allowed to do that understand that freedom or understand the luxury of that support I have 10 people I can call. I could wake up tomorrow and be like, "Raw, you know, I want to be the next Elon Musk. I've got 10 people I could call who would be like, It's not going to be easy, yo, but i got a friend who knows a friend. That to me. <laughs> please buy Twitter, I beg.
0: Please, please. I'd rather you than me.
1: That is top tier luxury to have people that will support my dreams mm. and of course then that trickles down into what people see which is a house or a car or a new handbag but even then whilst especially in this economy i'm even i've fallen out of love with unboxing videos and that it, it's just mm. not the time it's not to my taste it's not not today love i get it it feels a bit today. crass to be honest but even in it? a time like this i share those things because i'm like we struggle to see women that look exactly like us have it you always said the business the brand the people society always said Mm. oh no 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 not you get to the back of the line not you not you not you sorry 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 also not only not you you'll have whatever's left of what everyone else has picked from you don't get it brand new no come on let's tell the truth tell the truth shame the devil (laughs) You just get the cut-offs, babe. You get, oh, Listen. the person don't want the crust of that bread. Maybe you can pick on that. And even so, this crust has to be, to be split between five of you that look like you, okay? You don't get the whole sandwich. So to now be in a space where
0: Mm-mm.
1: I'm buying all these loaves of bread and I'm getting to share them however I want, I also think there's a part of me that continues to share, because I'm like, no, some little dark skin girl in South London pre in my socials must see this. Some some woman who's trapped in a marriage, she don't like, must see, you must see that you are able, that you are worthy of whatever you think about you know so when i see you when i see so many black girls online who are just literally just living their best lives outside of a hashtag outside of black girl luxury but just existing to their level of brilliance i'm like Mm-mm. replay run it again let me see that rewind that because we just yeah unless we share it 100 no one else is gonna spot like that they're gonna act like it's not even happening they're gonna
0: it. it's so true but then but then you push you push through and it's like you know because i i've always said this clothes are an adventure clothes are a language clothes are so fun it, oh. they're, they're a communication tool and i love 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 <laughs> love your otds which <laughs> i've mentioned several times now but i th- i thoroughly enjoy them and i want to talk to you about your fashion like as yeah. a teen growing up in london and like you out in the club <laughs> Because I love talking to people about their formative clubbing experiences and what kind of clothes they were wearing just in and around the city.
1: So... Any regrets? Once I could... Everything was a regret, man. I don't don't even look at them pictures. (laughs) So... Once I could, I was able to make decisions about clothes. Like I said, Probito. I think Probito used to be like the back of Bond Street somewhere. Mm. There was a shop called Probito that sold Moschino jeans, guest jeans, all them US imports. That was the kind of stuff that I wanted to wear. So I remember very distinctly one summer day wearing these white Moschino jeans with hearts on them. Oh, fam. Some, bro, See, some Now, red- if you were
0: to put those on Depop, they'd disappear like oh. that.
1: No, no, but this is no nah, babe, this is where it gets mad. I'm even recounting this, I'm I'm sweating. So those jeans with red wallabies from Clarks. Wow, Candies, wow. A red DK t t-shirt that I'd cut into a crop top. And then I had my. There was a hairstyle back in the day. If you know, you know. They were called fans. If you had permed hair, like you'd craft your hair into this this artistic looking fan. And I had two fans with red ribbons. And the lick back then, child, oh, this is so embarrassing. Was a gold chain with a dummy on it. If I scream this house down, if I wow, scream- <laughs> wow, I just, like, I, I can't even deal with myself. But. Even recounting an outfit like that, if we were to put that in an early 2000s TV show, you'd be right back in that moment. And that's right. what I love about clothes. I can pinpoint, I you know, I remember when Averex came into style, and I saved up all my money to get a little Avrex from someone in East Street Market, and then Timberland boots became. What were UK girlies doing in Timberland boots, please? Wh- hey. Where were we running to? Whose door were we booting down? It didn't matter. It
0: didn't- <laughs> but it, I mean, really, what well, the funny thing is, it's like it's funny how things come full circle, isn't it? Because they technically didn't go anywhere. I, do you know? For me, my favourite Timberland moment was was the heeled ones. <laughs> Seeing Beyonce, yeah, in the video for Body and Color, I was like, I'll have that, please. Thank you.
1: Please, I'll have that.
0: Thank you. That's the me. other
1: day. I watched a whole three hour documentary about Baby Fat, you know? Hi, Kamora was a G. Baby Fat even had Motorola flip phones. I, I just can't. I cannot. This is like insane.
0: It's so funny seeing your face like talking about these clothes.
1: Honestly, this is the thing. And so I know people, there are a group of people that are like, it's just frivolous. It's just silly. You know, it is what it is. And I always think about the historical context behind things. For black people, clothes were armor. They were protection. They were a way to, in some instances, keep you alive. You, ca- I, I think I wrote about this in Sister Sister. You can't hide the color of your skin. You can trick people about your class and sometimes if you can do that it was the difference even back in the day between life and death yeah 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 yeah. i'm black but i'm quote unquote a good black look at my petticoat Mm. look at my head tie look at my jewelry look at this regalia i'm i'm that version of black and whilst we shouldn't have had to do that that of course has trickled down into the enjoyment we have in clothes now And so I know people are like, oh, that's expensive, that's excessive. To me, this is just a museum of memories. And now when my 14-year-old stepdaughter and Esme are on my floor trying on my shoes and cackling and just catching vibes, it reminds me of being around my aunties in the 80s and 90s, where they're picking out church dresses, or someone's 60th Bash is coming up, or you know, you're going to an African wedding and everyone's talking about the material. Again, it's not just clothing, it's community. And I think what something like OO. TD does especially again coming from a woman that looks like me is telling people right I can do that I can Mm. wear that I can enjoy clothes I don't have to be six feet tall and a size six I am seeing these clothes on someone who looks more like me and that's inspired me to have a bit of fun so yeah on the top of it it's always fun but I've noticed with me when we start to chip away at something there's something else going on always in the background. And, I, and i and i love that for you uh speaking of like your audience you know how they react to you when
0: you are back in london when you're visiting like <laughs> a i need to ask like have like how are people with you out and about in the city is it like oh my god Candice? or do people try and do that cool thing when they try and pretend that maybe they don't know you and then it's like i just want
1: to say like i'm a really big no, it, fan do you know what it's absolutely oh my god it is hyperventilating fanning themselves. Then I burst out laughing and get awkward because I'm like, I am not Beyonce. Like, yeah, we we can do whatever, but please just bring it down a touch. And I mean, I love that. I even had one woman, she a black woman, she was a black cab driver, d- like do a UE on Regent Street with someone in the back. And she was just like, I will deal with the ticket later. I just had to help you up, And I was just like, this is... That's a magical. Black, that is ma- a black woman driving a black cab doing the U E on Regent Street. I was yeah. just like, "Nah, is this live? Is this?" And you know what? On one end, um, on one end, it can feel a bit overwhelming and a bit scary because I remember when we left London, uh, people would uh, people out here will just come up to Esme, they will come up to Esme and address her. You know, even if I was standing there, they'd be like, "Oh, hi, Esme." I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I don't know if people have noticed, I've really started to pull back on sharing the kids on socials because that's not the life they asked for, you know? Mm. Um, So my only thing is, if I'm with my kids, like, approach me and keep it respectful. But other than that, I will never say no to that love because, and I, I feel like you'll understand what I'm saying here. Sometimes sometimes the internet is not a sufficient tool or a good testament to what you're doing. Or sometimes, do you know what I mean? I, I know what I'm trying to say, like them likes and that dopamine, it's not a real thing, you know? 100%. It's not a real thing. And so to be out and about and to get to connect with whoever is getting joy or a boost from the work that you do, there is no, there is nothing in the world that can match that.
0: 100%. Nothing, 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 nothing. I know, I fully agree with you. It's like, look, don't get me wrong, it's lovely to fling up a picture. And I always say, like, literally says in my bio, this is a highlight reel. Like, <laughs> exactly. don't get it twisted.
1: Exactly.
0: It's a highlight, listen, I love my life. I'm very grateful for it, but it's not perfect. It's a highlight reel. And yeah, it's nice to fling up a nice picture. People be like, oh my God, yay, share your latest projects. But to meet people out and about who show you love, it's 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 a it's a really it's a really edifying, really humbling and really like be- beautiful experience, I think. And I think, you know, especially with how you, you know, you're, like I said, you're queen of boundaries. I'd like to think people <laughs> are very respectful with how they they approach but, you. But
1: babe, do you know what? I am the queen of boundaries, but I think we all watched me learn those boundaries in real time. I think if yes, you followed me long enough, every- everyone went on that boundary journey with me where I just got to a point where I was like, wow, I cannot come and kill myself for internet. I cannot come and kill myself for... This this kind of idea that I I had to appease to one type of person, or mm. you know, um, try and keep it for because I don't want to edit myself, but try and keep it again that version of black that is not offensive or argumentative, and once those boundaries went up, I think the real candies came down. And now, if I'm feeling it, I will talk in patois because it's fitting for the moment. If I'm feeling it, I will go toe to toe with you on TikTok because it's of the moment. But I think before those boundaries were in place, I constantly felt like I had to be this swan or a duck in a lake. Oh, graceful, graceful, graceful. Mm. Meanwhile, there are, there are other animals trying to pull me down underneath that pond. So once the boundaries went up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: do you know what? I feel like there's a whole other podcast conversation to we had because my love. Once
1: the boundaries went up, my love, the, the real candies could come down. And so mm. I, I not only love that for me, I love that for any black woman watching the content I deliver, learning from my mistakes. You, there's no way you could have been following me since 2016 or whatever, and you not know how these streets could try to play you. Don't, ta- don't take the same licks I took twice. There's no point. There's mm-hmm. really no point.
0: We're out here, you're thriving. Um, I do like to ask everybody. I mean, I know we touched this a bit, but do you still take public transport?
1: No. Fair enough. Fair enough? <laughs> do you know why? Do you know why? And it's not even a cover up. This, I, I wasn't prepared for this. The second you leave London, public transport ceases to exist. So where I live now, number one, a bus doesn't even come within, let's say, from the bus stop to my house. It's still a two-mile walk. So there's that. Number two, the bus will come once every ninety minutes. Now, when we left London, I was I was Billy, no license. What did I need a license in London for? The tubes there, the four six eight is always at my door. Me, I too am Billy. Do you know what I mean, bruh? When I came out of London, I was like, "Wow, if I don't learn to skirt, skirt." So for those reasons, that's why I don't take it. Cause, bruv, I'll be late for everything.
0: <laughs> right. So you're now. So now. So now you're like you're scooting around. You got your car.
1: Bro, I, I just do a little whipping excursion. I'm not even brave enough to touch the motorway and drive into London yet. So when I'm coming into London, of course I'll get on the train. And I still I still enjoy using the tube. Again, you just see stories and it, it can be a very creative way to move around the city. But if you're not in a big city, mate, you've got to be whipping. It's, do you know what? It's true because actually <laughs> all of my friends who grew up outside of London, they were just
0: like, what do you mean you don't have to drive? The minute they turn 17... <laughs> Straight on road. Like, no hesitation.
1: No hesitation. It's, it's, there are kids that go to Esme school that drive themselves to school because there's like a secondary school, sixth form connected. So right. there are kids in their school uniform doing their three-point turn. I'm like, love wow. that for you.
0: Meanwhile, I'm just I'm just adoring my bike. I just love cycling. I love my bike. My bike's my best friend. Just cycle around. I used to get like those kids in Esme school. Um, okay. Now, if you had, uh, you know, the big boss powers... Mm. Over the city for a day, or in general, what would you change? What would you like to see? And it can be the most frivolous thing, it can be the most, you know, uh socially mobile thing, whatever.
1: What what would you like to see? In general, I think with where we're at right now, I think I'd make I'd just bring down the cost of living and and make wages higher. I know that's such a I know that's quite a blunt end and it's not like happy, happy, joy, joy, but I just really think when you really look at the numbers and where cost of living is going for those of us doing traditional nine to fives, this is more than peak. This mm. is like something in a movie. Do you get what I'm saying? pack is a tenner. pack is, is 10 pounds. So if I had that powers just for a day, I would definitely increase people's incomes and bring down the cost of living.
0: Right on. Yeah. Candice for mayor. <laughs> My love, Miss Rathway, it has been an absolute joy and a pleasure. I feel like we could do a part two. Listen, you are fantastic. The South London spirit I know will never leave you. (laughs) We look forward to the next book. In the meantime, Cuts Both Ways is available in all good stores now. It's been a joy. London loves you, you, candies.
1: This has been great. Thank you. And I love London right back. Never forget (laughs) it.